0: Welcome to Metaphorically Speaking with me, Delia Delore. Each week we discuss a metaphor, phrase or mantra. And with the help of a very special guest, they tell us what it means to them. And perhaps it tells you what it might mean to you too. Like me, you may not have heard it. The way it is actually meant to be said, we coin the phrases in different ways, depending on our culture, depending on what message we're trying to give when we use it. But the metaphor today is with faith, your cup is full of great things. In today's episode, we're going to talk about a metaphor which I'm sure you've probably heard in your day-to-day lives. Whether you're having religious beliefs or just your own emotional well-being, this is a metaphor with many connections in our lives. After that, we'll be catching up with our guest Victoria Akinrujomo to see how this turn of phrase fits into her life. But back to our proverb, why would we be saying this? Where might definitions come from? In today's episode, we'll explore the meaning of With faith, your cup is full of great things. Firstly, let's try to define what we mean by the word faith. One definition is a strong belief in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual conviction rather than proof. Another view for this phrase is a great trust or confidence in something or someone or with oneself. The word faith is derived from Latin fides and Old French feed. The English spelling dates from around 1250 from the Middle English faith via the Anglo-French word fed. In Christianity, faith causes spiritual change as it leads to a greater understanding of their God. German Martin Luther, who was ordained into the priesthood in 1507 and was a theologian, stated that faith comes from God working in us and through no other source.
1: One must do good works in order to be righteous and be saved. This is one reason that when they hear the gospel, they fall to and make for themselves by their own powers an idea in their hearts which says, I believe. This they hold for true faith, but it is a human imagination, an idea, that never reaches the depths of the heart, and so nothing comes of it, and no betterment follows it. Faith, however, is a divine work in us. It changes us and makes us to be born anew of God, John 1, 13. It kills the old Adam and makes us completely different people changes our hearts, our spirits, our thoughts, and all our powers, and brings with it the Holy Spirit.
0: Faith in the Buddhist religion refers to an often serene dedication in the practice of their teachings and divine conviction in enlightened or a highly developed leader, such as the Sanskrit, the Awakened One. In Islam, a follower's faith is called Iman, which is a complete yielding to the will of God interestingly in the religion Sikhism there is no religious concept for faith in spite of this the five Sikh symbols known as the five Ks are usually mentioned as the five articles of faith what does faith mean in Judaism here's an explanation from Ollie Ansfield of global relevance.
2: The whole concept of faith in Jewish thinking is very different to the conventional Western understanding. Translating the Hebrew word emunah as faith, which is its conventional meaning, is far off from Jewish thought. The medieval commentator, the Rambam Maimonides, says it is a mitzvah, a commandment to know that God exists. He is supposed to be knowable through intellectual reasoning. So if that is true, what do we mean when we say emunah? Does it mean faith in the way it is understood in the modern world? Clearly not. Ask yourself, are your decisions based on your intellect or your emotion? The answer is, it's always a mix of both. For example, someone who breaks a diet two days after starting just to taste the dessert is choosing one minute of short-term pleasure over the longer-term goal of being healthy and fit and losing weight. But this sort of behavior is typical. Cognitive dissonance, as it is sometimes phrased, allows us to do what we know full well is wrong because of the short-term pleasure we feel by doing it.
0: What does faith mean for someone who is secular humanism? This stance, according to their official slogan, is a non-religious life stance rooted in science, naturalistic philosophy, and humanist ethics, and to serve and support adherents of that life stance as they believe humans have the moral capability of understanding without any religious beliefs, capable of being ethical and moral without religion. In the opinion of the Council for Secular Humanism, a conviction that dogmas, ideologies and traditions, whether religious, political or social, must be weighed and tested by each individual and not simply accepted by faith. Let us listen to former trainee priest and now humanist, Leo Igwe, on their perspective of the term faith and what it means to them.
3: So as a humanist, I believe that human beings are challengers, not prisoners of faith. Our destinies are in our hands, not predetermined. And it's led for us to shape our lives and destinies to reflect our best hopes and aspirations. I believe that human beings have the power to turn situations of poverty into those of wealth and prosperity. We have the capacity to alleviate suffering, extend life, prevent diseases, uh, cure debilitating ailments, reduce infant mortality, and preserve our planet. But we cannot accomplish all these goals by wishful thinking with our eyes closed, or by empty speculation, or by expecting salvation from empty sky.
0: Finally, what do we mean by the word cup when looking at this from a religious viewpoint? Cherry Sandover, the mother of St. Mark, a liberal Catholic church in Essex, England, states that the cup in Christianity links to abundance and fruitfulness. This comes from Psalm 23, which has the line, You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. In the Mass, the priest uses words while holding the cup, Blessed are you, Lord, God of all creation. Through your goodness, we have this wine to set before you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become for us the cup of salvation. Now it's time to welcome our special guest for this week's episode. We are lucky to have the marvellous Victoria Akurujomo to join us today. So Vicky, thank you for being a guest on Metaphorically Speaking. You have a very, very interesting metaphor, which is with faith, your cup is full of great things. Yes. What does that mean
4: to you? Yes. um, The word faith means a lot to me because, you know, having lost my husband at the age of 34 with four children, I've always had faith. No matter how difficult things are with me, I've always had faith that, you know, at the end of the day, no matter what, I will always, you know, get through any difficulties, And that's helped me during my years of bringing up four children. And faith plays a major part in my life. You know, when I was young, I always have this ambition to write novels. That's why the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm, I just have limited education. But the fact that I have faith in myself, that whatever I set my, my heart on, with faith on my side, I will really achieve it.
0: How would you define
4: faith? Faith is actually when someone has belief in him or herself that this thing I have my mind on is will be done through faith in through having faith in myself, through having faith in themselves, and through, you know, through going through whatever it is to achieve it, having faith on that side. So that is what you know my definition of faith is.
0: What about religion? Do you have faith when it comes to a religion? I actually do. In Mark eleven twenty
4: two to twenty four, where Jesus Christ said, you know, you can, you can lift a mountain if you really have faith. You know, you you you, know, you have less panic, less stress, less fear because the fact that you have that faith, your things will come true no matter how difficult it is.
0: So you have been through difficult times, like most of us in our lives. There's no one I, I know who can say life has been truly wonderful from day one for me. So you have had your cup full of different things in your life that you have had to overcome. And of course, one of those things led you, or I wouldn't say one of those things, but a combination of experiencing those things and knowing about certain things that were happening around you led you to write your book. Can you tell us about your book? My book
4: is titled Agony of a Child Bride. When I was a teenager in the community, there are different types of tribes there. Fortunately, I was I wasn't from the past practice, uh, both a uh, female genital mutilation and child bride. But unfortunately, I witnessed some of my you know my child friends who are from the communities where they practice all these things you know, going through this trauma of female genital mutilation and child bride. And it sort of broke my heart, particularly one of my best friends who went through FGM. I knew what happened to her. And since then, I've always wondered why this type of practice cannot be totally abolished worldwide. So bear that in mind. The fact that I've always loved to write books, I've written a couple of fictional stories, unpublished, then I decided that this particular subject needs to be written for the awareness of the world. I know some governments have been trying to abolish it, but unfortunately, it's still very rampant. Especially, in, the, in you know, from the part of my world where I came from, some part of them are still practicing these two barbaric uh, practices. So I decided to write this book. though was fictional, but faith come up again in this particular story. Because, you know, it, it is based on a woman who was determined that, you know, her daughter will never, never go through what she went through, shall bride. She was determined to prevent herself from going through the trauma. So because she had faith and determination, she was able to achieve her aim in that community, which at the end of the day, all the people in the community, they decided, the king decided to to make it, you know, a law that there shouldn't be any FGM or shall bride again through what she did.
0: When you were writing your book, did you have to stop and think about the direction your main character was going to take and whether it was going to be a happy ending or not? What actually happened is,
4: um, for the same reason that, you know, I have this faith and urge in me to write about this book. When I started writing the book, as I already do, once I put my hand on the typewriter, you know, the story flows. The ideas come to me judging by what I've witnessed before. Then that idea, I use that, you know, those ideas, what I've experienced, not experience, what I've witnessed. So, you know, the book just flew as I was writing it. So it came on, it came on, then got to the end with a very good ending.
0: But when you were writing the book, of course, you know, you're writing it for the reader to. I hate to say the word enjoy, but books are about education and a certain amount of enjoyment of the book. So when you were writing the book, you wanted your readers to follow the story, to understand what the main character was going through. But at any time, did your writing make you feel that perhaps in some of the true situations that were happening around you, that you could have made a difference somehow at that time?
4: Yes, yes. As I said, I was a teenager when when I witnessed all these things. As I grew older, I was wondering that ah, if it is like today, even at that age, if it's like this modern world now. I know I was young. Maybe like now, you can easily report to someone, or you know, I won't say report because what is this community? There's little you can do, but there's so much that you can you can even achieve if it's like that day. I don't understand. So as I as I grow older. I always ponder, was there anything I could have done? Because just like the, the character in my book, she came from a community where women can only be seen but not heard. But even at that, she was able to, through faith and determination and God on her side, she was able to achieve her aim. So I was young, there wasn't anything I could do, though I was traumatized as a thought of it, even though I wasn't I didn't experience it. It pride on my mind for years until now I'm 79 years of age and it still pains me up to today. So I wrote this book that if some people somewhere read it, maybe in the community where this thing is still being practiced, if there are some people who are privileged or who, who, who have money, who are rich, who can from that book, you know, you know, borrow some lesson from that book and use that particular experience, part of the experience, to help their community, to help those poor families. From engaging these practices, because most of the time this thing borders on the, on money, on reward. I say, understand. So maybe reading that book, they be able to borrow some leaves from that, that book. That is that is my old idea.
0: So if we go back to our metaphor with faith, your cup is full of great things. In order for us to have faith, we must, of course, have a strong belief. We have to believe that things are going to be good as opposed to things are always going to be bad. And if we have to think about the character in your book, even though this is fiction, if most probably there is someone in the world who is living the life that your character is living, and there are people maybe around them who know, just like you were when you were younger, you knew certain things were happening, but you wasn't in the position then to do anything about it. If we look at how our our metaphor is, How would you encourage these people to try and make the change? Because it's not only, I mean, you started to talk about people with money and there's certain people who can make changes. But how can the, I'd say, ordinary neighbor, friend, family member, how can they get themselves together so that they can believe that together, even if they feel bad on their own, they cannot make any changes? What would you say to people to say to come together to try and to make things better on the whole, not just child brides and just in society? What would you say? You were not in a position when you were younger, but now you have your book. Now you can be more vocal. How would you encourage people to take advantage of our metaphor with faith? Your cup is full of great things.
4: Yes. Now, it's most unfortunate that at this age, I took this step a little bit late in life, Uh, which may be around, maybe about 20, 25 years ago Thereby, when I was a bit younger, maybe I could easily, through friends and things like that, through NGO, because from the part of the world I came from, this thing has been practiced. And uh, because most of it are not, the powers I be are among the practice. Who are who are practicing this type of? Uh, who are the practitioner of this this particular practices? Because somebody who is in a position of power marries a, a girl of twelve years. <laughs> you know, there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. You can't say anything about it, and that is exactly what is happening. Because it's the most of most often not, the power that I be. Where I came from, those who are very rich, who who are who especially the child bride, a girl of eleven, a girl of twelve, a man with four years. Five years, I read in one of our papers last last month, a man of fifty-seven, with, farmer, with two wives, married a girl of twelve years. You know, the parents told her that she was, you know, the man was going to send her to school. When she got there, she discovered she was going to be third wife. The two wives they said ill treating her. This is one of the, the the neighbors who alerted NGO. Maybe if I'm a bit younger, I can use my you know my voice more. Use more of my voice through NGO to contact this, contact this, contact this, you know, in this particular area, this thing is going on, this thing is going on, I will have done that. But now, because of my age, it's a little bit difficult. I can only tell the younger ones, the younger ones, how they can sort of encourage others to come together and put a voice together to condemn these particular practices so that one day, with squad on our side, these two practices will, will be abolished.
0: Well, Vicky, thank you so much for being with us. But tell us where we can find your book. It is published by
4: Amazon. The paperback is four pounds ninety-nine. The ebook is two twenty-five.
0: Thank you so much for spending this time with us and listeners. This is a wonderful book. Although it may not be a fully true story, it is based on yeah. things that we are aware of, and sometimes we turn a blind eye to certain situations. And perhaps it's a good idea for you to read this book and then find out if you know anyone who may be aware of certain practices and see how you can help them. So again, Vicky, thank you so much for being with us.
4: Thank you for for having me. Thank you very much.
0: A big thanks to Victoria for giving us her unique insight into her perspective of this week's metaphor. Her discussion on the strength and courage to overcome such challenges is a testament to how faith can really bring great things to us all. Now let's dive a little bit further into the metaphor and see how it is linked to us all personally. With faith, your cup is full of great things. This does not have to be inclusive as having any religious aspects or connotations at all. It can easily be taken as having blind faith or self-belief in one's own undertaking in life's challenges. This leads nicely to a wonderful track from Ed Ames, best known for playing mingo in the 1960s American television series Daniel Boone. Additionally, as part of the 1950s singing group The Ames Brothers. This solo track from 1967, titled My Cup Runneth Over, is his most personal and touching tune. Let's have a listen.
5: Sometimes in the morning when shadows are deep I lie here beside you just watching you sleep Sometimes I whisper what I'm thinking of.
6: My cup runneth over with
0: love. Have to say those lyrics really do resonate with our metaphor this week. Sometimes, as humans, we tend to have our cup get diminished. For this context, the wording of cup we are using as an expression of our own individual emotional inner strength, our get-up-and-go to keep going on a daily basis when things are challenging, especially when things are bad or becoming strenuous for each of our own personal situations or with the world events having to endure. The constant barrage of news via social media and the global catastrophes can have a major effect on everyone individually, even without us knowing it. Now let's listen to this beautiful track from Mike Carey and friends, In Thy Presence, There's Fullness of Joy, based on Psalm 16, on how our own joy can help bring greatness to our well-being and faith. Precious forever, precious forevermore, in thy presence this fullness of
2: joy, fullness of joy, fullness of joy.
0: with joy and happiness will lead to re-energizing your own mental and spiritual wellness to invigorate your own cup of faith, which in turn will lead to greatness of mind and body. If we focus too much on world events and not on ourselves, this can be draining. Let's listen to former addict and spiritual realist Marnix Pauls on how to overcome fear and have greatness in your life without looking after oneself.
6: Fear is a pretty strange phenomenon. It's designed to help you survive in critical life-threatening situations, getting your system ready for the biological fight or flight. However, fear often just gets you into trouble. Mostly, it's completely imaginary. And we don't get scared of what's actually happening happening in our lives, we get scared of what we think might happen, what could be in the envelope. And the idea we won't be able to deal with it once we find out what it actually is. Until a year ago, I wouldn't have been able to stand here on this stage. The fear of choking would have been too strong. Too many thoughts about failure, possible blackouts, um, lack of confidence, (laughs) the usual suspects. But when I was asked to do a TEDx talk uh, at the end of last year, I immediately said yes, without any doubt or hesitation. Why? Because uh, I had reached the deepest point of my fear, and guess what, I discovered that there was nothing there, nothing.
0: In today's hectic and frantic lives we live in modern society. This can cause demotivation, lack of our own inspiration in ourselves and spiral deeper into depression and social anxiety. Finding that personal time to look after yourself and unburden your worries on what you cannot control and allow your own faith to inspire and motivate your spark in life is vital to invigorate and replenish your own cup of great things. Let us conclude with some words from Cherry Sandover, the mother of St Mark Church, who I mentioned earlier. Listen to her perspective of
5: the metaphor. What is my cup in context of my calling as a Church of England priest? And what might it mean to me if it is full of great things? Firstly, I can take the meaning of cup, both literally and metaphorically. The cup represents the chalice from the Last Supper. And every time I stand at the altar for the Eucharist, I include these words from the Gospel of St. John. He took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Metaphorically, the cup is a vessel for the blood of Christ. In medieval crucifixions, you would often see angels holding out a chalice into which the blood and water from the wound in Christ's side is poured out. And of course, many of these works then would be hung over altars to complete the symbolism of what the priest is doing and saying. For the Christian, our faith is centred around this sacrifice on the cross, as well as the promise of salvation through forgiveness of sins. Therefore, for us... The cup of faith is always, and I mean always, full of great things.
0: This week's metaphor, with faith
5: your cup is full of great
0: things, reflects the trials and issues we can all face in our daily lives. Spending those precious moments on ourselves can really develop a meaningful and enriching faith in ourselves and in turn those we hold close to us. Whatever your definition of faith, I'm sure once you realize how best to fill your own personal cup, great things will come your way emotionally and spiritually, whichever form that may be. I'd like to thank our guest, Victoria Akunrujomo, for bringing this wonderful metaphor to us. It has really made me look differently at faith versus religion. I wonder if it did the same thing for you too. And of course, I'd like to thank you for listening. Make sure to join us again for more idioms, proverbs and metaphors on Colourful Radio or on our podcast, Metaphorically Speaking, which can be found on Apple, Spotify and all major streaming platforms. Reviews are incredibly important to us. So if you have a moment, we'd love it if you could leave us a review or subscribe on Colourful or any of the platforms I mentioned above. We love making this show and we love growing with your feedback. So do leave us a comment or share the episode with your friends. You can email us at info at uk. I'm Delia Delore and this was Metaphorically Speaking. Ta-ra.